0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 40, the 40th Psalm. We're going to zero in on the first eight verses for the message today. And I'd like us to, to read from God's Word, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 8. In honor of God's word, would you please stand for the reading of the scriptures? Psalm 40 for the director of music of David, a psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice an offering you do not desire. But my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God, your law written is in my, within my heart. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask over the next few moments that you would quicken our hearts and minds to hear the truth of your word that we would be receptive to the things that your Spirit wants to teach us this day, and above all, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and exalted. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the hardest things to do in life is wait. Just ask any child who's forced to wait for something that he or she really wants. Stories told about a little boy who was riding along with his father on a 250-mile trip from New Mexico to Colorado. They were going fishing. Boy had looked forward to the outing with great anticipation. But when the day came to leave, it seemed like it was going to take forever to reach their destination. Every 10 minutes or so, the excited boy would ask his dad, are we almost there yet? No, son, the father would answer, telling him how much farther they had to drive. This went on for some time. Are we almost there yet? No, son, we still have a ways to go. After the boy asked for what seemed like the 100th time, are we almost there yet, his dad lost his patience And said, son, don't ask me again if we're almost there. Boy was silent for a few moments. Then asked, dad, am I still going to be four years old when we arrive? (laughs) Waiting is tough for children. Remember how it was? How as a youngster, you couldn't wait for Christmas to come. Or how much you look forward to your birthday, hoping that mom and dad got you that bike you were asking for. Or how about waiting to to go to the ball game? Or waiting to stay overnight at your best friend's house? Anxious anticipation, expected longing. The waiting game. It's tough to wait when you're a kid. Hurry up and wait. It can also be tough to wait When you're an adult, the focus may be different, but the feelings can be just as strong, like waiting to see the doctor when you're sick, or waiting in the airport for a flight that's been delayed, or waiting for that important business phone call. Times of waiting can be frustrating and taxing. Who hasn't been frustrated and a bit peeved when we've been forced to wait for someone else who's running late? Who as a parent hasn't been anxious or angry when your teenager is out past curfew? Who hasn't felt the the uncertainty and uneasiness of waiting for test results to come back from the doctor? Is the growth malignant? Will surgery be necessary? It's one thing to be inconvenient by a delayed flight or a client who's running late for an appointment, but when waiting involves health concerns or personal relationships or career decisions, it takes on a whole new meaning. So hurry up and wait. Now, by nature, I'm not a person who likes to wait. Uh, If I I have a doctor's uh, appointment, say, at 3 o'clock, I'm always there by 2.45 and I don't want to be kept until 3.30 waiting to see the doctor. Or if there's some issue that needs to be resolved with another person, hey, let's just deal with it right now. Let's get it over with. Who wants to sleep on it? Down through the years I've discovered that waiting doesn't come easily. But there's one other thing that I've learned, God often wants me to wait. To wait for an answer, to wait for help, to wait for him. You see, as tough as it can be to to wait, the Lord can use that waiting process to teach, refine, and change me. While times of waiting can be frustrating and taxing, learning to wait for the Lord, I believe, will stretch your faith and cause you to grow as a follower of Jesus. Throughout the scriptures, we're admonished to wait on the Lord, to wait patiently, to wait for his answer, to wait on his timing. Bible's filled with examples of individuals who've learned the value and discipline of waiting, and David is a good case in point. At various junctures in his life, David waited on God. At times, circumstances forced him to wait for God's deliverance. On other occasions, he chose to wait, seeking the Lord's counsel and guidance. Whether it was keeping his father's flock as a teen, or hiding in the hills from a jealous King Saul, David waited for the Lord. Whether it was times of physical danger or in the heat of battle, David waited for the Lord. Whether his family was facing a crisis or his kingdom was in peril, David waited for the Lord. This morning, I'd like us to to consider David's perspective on this waiting process as it's outlined for us in Psalm 40. For whatever reason, David doesn't disclose in Psalm 40 the details about the danger he's facing. We know it's real. It appears to be some sort of a physical threat, but we can't pinpoint the exact account. With broad strokes, he paints a scenario in which he struggles to survive, but ultimately finds deliverance by waiting for the Lord. So based on this psalmist's experience, I believe we will learn three truths about what it means to wait for the Lord. Friend, you may be facing a situation today that has you baffled, or frustrated, or discouraged. Perhaps you have a decision to make, or a person to deal with, or you could use a lot of wisdom and insight. Maybe you're coping with a, a, a physical problem or a financial setback. Oh, you know that God has the resources and the power to provide and you've prayed about the matter, and you've sought his will, and now you're waiting. Friend, let God use that time of waiting to teach, refine, and change you more into the image of his son Jesus. So let me share with you three truths that help us wait on the Lord. Here's truth number one. Waiting for the Lord teaches us patience. It teaches us patience, and you know, that's that's rather obvious, isn't it? David declares for us in verses one and two, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. David waited patiently. Now, why is patience so important? Think about God himself. Who better personifies patience than God? Certainly God's patient with you, isn't he? I know he's been patient with me. Second Peter 3 9 affirms the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God by nature is patient. So, when you make the decision to exercise patience, whether you realize it or not, you're exhibiting a bit of godliness. You're also exhibiting love. 1 Corinthians 13 proclaims that love is patient, love is kind. Patience is a reflection of God's character and a revelation of God's love. It reflects his character and it reveals his love. In Psalm 40, David's patience will pay off. He says, the Lord turned and heard his cry. The Lord lifted him out of the the slimy pit, rescuing him from the muck and, and mire. In the rugged hill country of Palestine, David may have fallen into some sort of a ravine and injured himself. We don't know, but maybe he's alone, immobilized. So he prays, And he waits. And God comes through. How he's rescued, we don't know, but the Lord delivers him. It's interesting that when David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, he also says, he turned to me and heard my cry. Some translations read, he inclined unto me and heard my cry. That verb turn or incline literally means to to stoop or to bend down. And it gives me the picture of a parent scooping or stooping down to help their child who's just been hurt. I remember when our our son Matthew was just a toddler, and we were living in Bay City at the time, uh, uh, pastoring there, and he was in the church... Nursery one one Sunday morning. Now, when he was little, he was very rambunctious and that, and he just loved to run around and and, and play. And during the during the service, he was there in the nursery running around. And as he was running, he kind of tripped and he fell into the side of the door there of the nursery, and he split open his forehead. Now, I was preaching at the at the time, so the the, the ushers had to find my wife Kim got her out of the service, and took her over to the, the nursery so she could attend to our son. Uh, Kim rushed to the nursery where Matthew was, and his, his forehead was bleeding, and he was just crying his eyes out. A worker had been trying to comfort him, but when he saw Kim, he wanted mom. No one else was going to do. So she just, she just stooped down and scooped him up into her arms, far as he was concerned, everything was going to be okay because mom was there. Of course, (laughs) family had to go through a little bit of waiting because we ended up taking him to the emergency room (laughs) where he got several uh, stitches. But when mom came, in his mind, he knew everything was going to be okay. I love that picture. The picture of a parent stooping down to help her injured child. And I think it gives us a glimpse of how our Heavenly Father is reaching down to us in our time of need. He cares about your problems. You believe that? He wants to heal your hurts and answer your prayers. But sometimes, <laughs> part of the answer means you have to wait, <laughs> you have to trust, you have to lean on Him. That's why you need to be patient. After all, he's not finished with you yet. Whatever the issue or problem you're confronted with, as you give it over to God, you're making this commitment to be patient for his timing and his answer. So wait patiently for the Lord. Let's continue in our passage. Go down to verses three and four. There's a second truth that's revealed what we can learn during the waiting process. Notice what David says there. He says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. Put a new song in my mouth. Oh, I appreciated the worship. Katie and the team just did a fabulous job this morning, didn't they? Just helping us, uh, ushering us into the presence of God as we lifted our voices and praise and thanksgiving. Here, David is uh, displaying for us an attitude of praise and trust. As he waited patiently, he was able to live confidently. And so here's truth number two. Truth number two, waiting for the Lord builds our confidence. It builds our confidence. While the psalmist affirmed his confidence in God's ability after being delivered, being rescued, you know he needed plenty of it during this whole ordeal. Confidence by definition means placing your reliance in an object or a person. And it includes trust and conviction. Now, as you study the psalm, confidence involves a couple of factors that we don't always link together, but here they are. Faith and praise. Faith and praise. What's the connection between them? On the one hand, faith is prompting our praise. Because of your confidence in God, you can thank God for his goodness and his love, for his deliberate acts of kindness. Faith is prompting our praise. And then on the other hand, our praise is fueling our faith. It fuels our faith. You see, as a, as a person adopts an attitude of thanksgiving and genuine praise, the focus is taken off of the problem and placed on the provider it's taken off the problem and placed on the provider, the Lord Jesus. The more you praise God, the more you can trust him. Can you see the connection between praise and faith? How faith prompts praise and praise fuels faith. Together they build your confidence in God. So wait on the Lord with patience and with confidence. Psalm 40 is oozing with confidence, full of praise and faith. And here's David, blessed beyond measure with musical ability, offering yet another hymn of praise. He's put a new song in my mouth. The one who had literally composed thousands of psalms now had a new one to sing. There's no writer's block. The well hasn't run dry. Because of a vibrant, strong relationship with the Lord, life flowed with poetic freshness. That's why he can proclaim. He's put a new song in my mouth. That's incredible, isn't it? Despite tough times and perplexing problems, David was always ready to sing a new song of praise to his God. So I have to ask myself, do I have that kind of attitude when things don't go right? What's in my mouth when life throws conflict and challenge my way? Is it a song of praise or some other old sorry tune. Now, I, I grew up in the, the 60s and, and, and 70s. And as a kid growing up, especially as a teen, I liked to listen to the pop music on the, on the radio. And all the songs from that era and, and that. And actually, even as an adult, I still like to listen to those same songs from the 60s and 70s. But you know what? They're now called oldies. <laughs> kind of dates myself. In fact, I was listening to some oldie station, and it's saying, "Now playing oldies from the '80s, '90s and 2000s." I say, "Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I must be really old in that." But I like to listen to those oldies. You know, it just brings back memories of some good times, maybe a simpler life and that. And that's fine. It's OK with music. But dare I suggest? that there are some old tunes that are anything but heartwarming that we sometimes, if not sing, speak in the church. Like the old tune of criticism, or the broken record of resentment, or the golden oldie called discouragement, or the same old song of negativity. Am I going to sing a song of praise to my God? Or just stick with the old stuff. Praise prompts faith, and faith fuels praise. Wait on the Lord with patience and confidence. I think at times I'm not always as confident in the Lord as I should be. Oh, You know, I I, I believe and I profess that God's all-powerful, and yet I have a hard time living that way, especially when tough times hit. I just wrestle with that. Maybe you wrestle with it as well. Over and over again, I have to commit that matter to the Lord and live according to his strength so I can push forward. I've got to learn how to wait with confidence. Several years ago, the Denver Post ran a story about a Montana rancher by the name of Lexi Lauer. That's a pretty cool name, I think. Lexi uh, had, was having a problem. She had a herd of sheep, and coyotes kept getting in and and killing members of her flock. Nothing seemed to work. In spite of electric fences, even scarecrows, other devices, she continued to lose sheep. And one year alone, she lost 52 sheep from her herd. Then someone suggested that she try llamas. That's right, Llamas. Lauer told the Denver Post, llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything. When they see something, they put their heads up and walk straight towards it. This is aggressive behavior as far as a coyote is concerned, and they don't want anything to do with it. Coyotes are opportunists, and llamas take that opportunity away. Guess what? The llamas worked. Problem solved. Dare I suggest this morning (laughs) that we need the confidence of a a, a llama, because life unleashes coyotes to block our path and threaten what's important to us. But when your faith is firmly anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and what his word says, you can put your head straight up and walk through those coyote-sized circumstances. So hurry up and wait. (laughs) Be patient be confident. I hope you see by now that uh, waiting in the Lord is not just some passive thing where I sit back in a chair, my arms crossed, and say, okay, God, take care of it. No, it's an active response to life's demands. There's one more truth that I want us to learn. Not only do we need patience and confidence, truth number three, waiting for the Lord requires obedience. It requires obedience. Drop down to verse 8 of our text. Here, David affirms his commitment. He says, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Wait with patience, wait with confidence, and wait with obedience. I desire to do your will. As a believer, my desire should be to follow the Lord, right? And desire will mean nothing unless I carry that, out that commitment with obedience. Now, it seems rather obvious that we cannot expect God to bless us and to answer our prayers if we choose to live contrary to his word. Yet people try to do it all the time. Sadly, there are just too many examples of inconsistent Christianity that come to mind, like the, the successful Christian businessman who's known for his generosity and community service, but he fudges the company books to avoid paying taxes. Or the popular minister who eloquently espouses the word of God Sunday after Sunday, yet in private is addicted to pornography. Or the student at a Christian college who thinks, "Eh, it's no big deal to use a friend's password and username so that she can watch Netflix on her laptop in the dorm. Or the respected church deacon who verbally abuses his wife at home, degrading her over everything from how she keeps the checkbook to how she fixes supper. David, as great a leader as he was, was a man who succumbed to sin in his life. And we know he paid dearly because of it. The Bible tells us there was a time when he committed adultery. He took another man's wife, Then he tried to cover up the the affair and eventually he conspired to kill the woman's husband. And because of that affair with Bathsheba, his family ended up deeply divided. His children were a mess and one son even tried to wrestle the throne away from him. It was a sad situation, but David turned to the Lord. Amid the horrible tragedy and suffering of sin, David found forgiveness When he repented, came clean, sought the Lord, he writes this in Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. That ought to be an encouragement to us. (laughs) No matter how bad you screw things up, God can untangle the mess. Now, that's not an excuse to live in sin, but rather it's a lifeline of hope hope to anyone who's ever blown it. God's grace is all sufficient. David knew the pain of sin and the joy of obedience. So hurry up and wait for the Lord. Be patient, be confident, be obedient. We spent this morning uh, talking about the importance of waiting on God. I'd like to just bring it down to where we live as we wrap things up. As you consider these three virtues, patience, confidence, and obedience. Which of them is hardest for you to keep? I already shared the one I wrestle with, patience. (laughs) But consider the list. Is it being patient? Do you lose your patience easily? Or is it a lack of confidence? You just don't really feel like you have the faith to fully trust God to to do what's right? Or are you struggling with obedience? You know what you need to do. You just can't bring yourself to do it. Patience, confidence, obedience. Friend, if you find yourself lacking in any of those areas, I I just want to challenge you today to renew that commitment to the Lord Jesus. Rely on his strength because he's committed to you and he cares about you. I love Psalm 40. And part of the reason I love it is because Psalm 40 underscores my life verse which is Isaiah 40, verse 31, and I go back to it over and over again. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hurry up and wait for the Lord. I don't know where you're at, spiritually in your relationship with Jesus. And I don't know what struggles you may be facing or burdens you're bearing. For all I know, you may be in the middle of a battle to to save your marriage. Or perhaps you have your back up against the wall with a problem at work. Or perhaps there's an ongoing health issue or a family concern, some financial matter, or a relationship difficulty. Whatever the case, no matter the, the problem, God is there for you, and he'll see you through. So be patient, be confident, and be obedient. Hurry up and wait for the Lord.